What would you say if I were to tell you that it was possible for a man to turn into a werewolf? I'd say I was Little Red Riding Order. <laughs> Like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Welcome to Queer for Fear. I am one of your hosts, David. And I'm your princess, Sean, and together we're your wine moms of horror. Today we're so excited because this episode is going to be about host favorites. So, Sean's favorite movie, my favorite movie. And, David, I gotta, I gotta tell you. I feel like my favorite is going to anger a lot of the internet. Anger? Yeah. I mean, mostly just with really how could you, more so than anything else. Like, yours is very respectable and great, along with the queerness and the fearness of this podcast. Mine is just going to be like a giant facepalm of no. I mean, it doesn't take much to anger the internet, so there is that. That's true. I've done it before. Nobody listening, please don't search that don't but both of these movies are if not directly horror they're horror adjacent they introduce people to the genre they're both both rated r right they are both r rated yes that's and true. i know mine is um like squarely rated horror even though it's not s- scary but yours is like horror fantasy horror sci-fi mine is mine is I would I would agree with horror sci-fi. Um, definitely horror video game adaptation. Just so anybody listening wants to try to go ahead and narrow this list down of where we're going, <laughs> it's not Sonic as the video game adaptation or Detective Pikachu. So just go ahead and cancel those off your list. And it, this isn't going to be a secret if you follow our Twitter <laughs> because yes. we already live tweeted Sean's movie today. We we completely live tweeted all of it, and by we. It was definitely me running it with <laughs> David here just um, giggling, being like, God, Watching no, please don't quit. T- yeah, that was. And teaching you how to tweet. <laughs> okay, I don't do social media. It's fine. It's fine. We all have our strengths. And I have whatever it is that I have. <laughs> so to put it out there, my favorite movie is Resident Evil. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of hit back on this. Um but I, I want to just rewind the fact that this movie is almost 20 years old now. Um, God. It is It is almost 20 years old. You just have old. to age us? <laughs> Drastically. Um, it was the first R-rated movie I ever purchased. Uh, which is probably half of the reason why I love it so much. It wasn't my first foray into Resident Evil. Um, I had a PlayStation 1 and I had the original video game and then the director's cut of it. So that was my first foray into like the zombie world. But it was definitely, um, I remember my mom coming home and like talking all of this shit about like this girl in a black dress and like army boots that like kicked a whole bunch of ass and it was so stupid. And I was like, this sounds amazing. (laughs) And then by the time it was like on USA Network, sorry, copyright, um, I was like, oh, this movie is hysterical. And so it was the first R-rated movie I ever bought. Um, And then I started to watch it, and I just fell down this rabbit hole. Did the sequels hold up? That's a whole separate podcast. (laughs) Uh, I do stand them, so that's that's my own downfall. Gotta tell you, I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for that, but it's fine. Um, But I, I love, like, this... I think what's so great about it is, especially considering how old it is now, which is terrifying, 
like just all of these aspects of it that still hold up or like still um sort of vibe with relevancy not so much yeah. plot wise um because plot wise <laughs> well when you but, watch it you can see all the influences yeah yeah you can i mean you can see its influences then you can definitely see the influences it had um especially with the sequels and then like the later resident evil video games they started to sort of cross-pollinate there um but as a movie on its own there's definitely like an underappreciated campiness and a queer factor to it that not regularly talked about at least in a lot of, of stuff um behind the scenes material in the movie um and like the director and cast commentary and, and some of the online f- fandoms always pick up on the you know alice in wonderland whole of it all um you know you have a lead character named alice you have the red queen as this like artificial intelligence villain you have you know essentially they're going into like a giant massive hole for the hour and 34 minutes, not counting the end credits um, of this movie. Yes, I am that type that talks about film with end credits and without. Uh, so prepare for that. But um, you hadn't watched it in, you said about like 15, like 15 years. years. <laughs> like almost since it came out, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I watch it fairly regularly. I mean, more so to, to mock the like style over substance of the later sequels, but... It holds a, a giant. I mean, I've quote. I quoted the whole thing to you first off while I was composing the ridiculous live tweets. But I, I think there was this attraction to it growing up, knowing I was gay, but just like absolutely loving like this Mila Jovovich, Michelle Rodriguez like sister forefront of this movie. Um, because when you really break it down and you look at it all, the men in this movie are just pathetic beyond belief. Right. Um, like they really, they really are just pathetic and that's what most of my tweets were reading they're filler content yeah um and it's it's this badass feminism um tale really when you boil down to it and i'm sure people are going to be like well most of the violence is subjected towards women yes but it's also they're the only ones that make it out of all of it you know you have this the ending which spoiler alerts i guess will be discussed but like i said this movie's 20 years old so if you haven't watched it had it ruined or care at this point i feel like six months is a pretty good spoiler cutoff so i think we're well we're well past that but (laughs) it's the internet so people get angry for anything i mean dumbledore is dead so excuse me (gasps) oh sorry oh my god oh my god leonardo dicaprio sinks at the end but it's fine anyway um i mean it really like i think my initial start with Resident Evil was that it, it really refreshed this, like, zombie resurgence into pop culture. So I had grown up watching, like, George Romero and all of this love for it, which isn't queer at all, but it's definitely the horror aspect. Um, and it really brought back, like, that need and desire for the horror. So then you had, you know, after this, it was, like, 28 Days Later. And then, you know, flash forward the zombie craze. You had Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead. You had 28 weeks later, you had, you know, The Walking Dead emerging, and now we can't stop with creating zombie material. I mean, it really also rejuvenated the Resident Evil video game series itself. I mean, you had 1, 2, and 3 out at that point. Um, and then this came along, and, and interest got renewed, and they made 4, and 4, the video game, took over everything. And then Capcom made 5 and 6, which, you know, racist, <laughs> and then an action game, which we don't want to get into. And then 7 is now... You know, I can't believe there's seven of these movies. I mean, oh, there's six movies. I was talking about the video game part of it. Oh, okay. Um, but like, yeah, no, there's what? there's six movies. Um, they're all female focused. 
um, which is, I guess, kind of fun, and I promise I'm working towards a point, um, is that, like, they're all, all six movies are written by the same guy, so Paul W.S. Anderson, who um, came onto the scene with, like, a tiny little British film, um, and then kind of blew up mainstream once he did Mortal Kombat. One, not two, nobody talks about two, ever, unless you want to just vomit for under 90 minutes of your life. Uh, but, like, he, he made this movie, it was Mili Ovovich, um, you know, who was, like, fresh off of all of this attention from The Fifth Element, and, you know, was, like, riding that, like, train wave and, and creating all these other, like, she had played Joan of Arc. Um, and then she'd done all of these other projects and then she made this. Those didn't even occur to me. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she like, it was kind of like the geek got the girl. Um, they ended up dating and then they got married in between, um, I want to say two and three. Um, and it might've been one and two, but she definitely had like their first child. Um, and then it became like this whole family affair. So by the time you get to the sixth and final in quotes, because Netflix is working on a Resident Evil TV series right now, but the, like, original makers of the movies aren't involved. Um, but it became a whole family affair, so the Red Queen was replaced by their actual daughter. Um, so it had this, like, I guess for somebody that grew up as this, like, gay geek, um, this idea of that, like, somebody extremely geeky could get this, like, pop culture sort of sci-fi goddess icon. Um, was like a huge thing and, and when you sort of watch the movie knowing all of that there's so much of this that makes sense like it takes on that campy like very violent sort of sci-fi horror approach to like Alice in Wonderland in and of itself but then you also have just like for a movie that's about 20 years old you have a movie where the women are the ones that are in power that are strong that are fighting back that are doing all of this and the men are just pathetic little placeholders <laughs> to sort of service filler or to to add this ridiculous sort of commentary on it um yeah like and, and even within that it's this brilliant marriage of like that hardcore butch like masculine feminism aspect and then you have like mila who's which michelle was that butch part but let's be real all of her criticism <laughs> is that that's who she always plays oh that's a criticism hmm. depends on who you read I think that's a strong most, point. Most cis straight men want to argue that she always seems like she's playing this lesbianic type character and she doesn't have any sexuality to her whatsoever and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then she's in the Fast and Furious franchise, um, which Paul Anderson, the writer of all six movies and director of four out of the six, did try to rectify in Resident Evil 5. She does run around in high heels at some point, so kudos. But, like, <laughs> sidebar, sorry. But, like, you also, you, so you have her, like, military reign character w counteracting and interacting with, you know, this chick who's running around in this, like, very low-cut, like, red and black dress and, like, these really intense, you know, Doc Martens leather boots. And it's this, like, beautiful marriage of all these different aspects of, like, feminism and, like, everything that makes a female powerful, just merging into this, like, sci-fi, horror, video game, loose adaptation. Um, and I think it just really went unappreciated for so long. I mean, the decreased quality of the sequels didn't help it, but I, I really feel like when it came out, it wasn't as appreciated as such a strong feminist piece. Um, right. Because it really does, all the way through, praise the power of women. Um, and, and when we were just watching it together, the thing that kept coming up for me, 
as a huge Buffy fan is like, oh my gosh, a lot of similar Mm -hmm. themes, like even down to the outfit, the red, like kind of ripped split dress with the boots. Like that is totally a Buffy Summers look. Which which I love. I love that both of those things are kind of connected. I'm not one of those people who would ever be like, oh my God, they're copying that from... No, I I love if something works well, like use use that theme. Yeah, I I think it, you know, and I, I what I think the movie plays up so well is like following these usual tropes. So like you, for those of you that have never seen the movie, like you wake up in a mansion, sort of. Well, I mean, you're you're privileged to the whole crisis in a laboratory beforehand, but like the movie starts when you as Mila Jovovich's character wakes up naked on a marble towered glorious shower floor <laughs> draped in a shower curtain with no like you know there's no shampoo there's no hair products there's, there's nothing no there's no towel it's not a bath mat like hello hazard you just wake up in this marble like decked out to the gods bathroom which honestly which one of us hasn't still waiting on that daddy to call me back but it's fine um That's and then like DC you just experience it it is which then devolves into this, like, you're following this woman who has no idea what's going on. And, like, all of these military men show up and they're dragging her through. And you have, like, Michelle Rodriguez who just comes in and, like, pretty much the first words out of her mouth are, like, blow me. And you're like, well, (laughs) sure. Like, I mean, I don't go that way, but, like, if you want to demand that, I am not going to fight you. It was definitely a look when she, like, threw her down and then, like, Mm -hmm. pulled her helmet off. Yeah, the helmet's whipping off and, like, her hair, and it's, like, billowing with smoke and fake intensity. And you're like, (laughs) are you a lesbian? What are you? Like, it's just, I don't care what you are. I don't either. (laughs) Please read I Am Pro, whatever you love, believe in, identify, like, all of that. I'm just... Here for it. It was a good look. (laughs) And then all of the men just proved to be completely worthless and pieces of shit. Um, all the way through, all the way to the end. Like, but the whole movie really is, you know, Alice going through a hellscape wonderland, realizing the woman that she is, and, like, evolving and taking this whole, like, thing to grow and become this badass warrior, where she eventually gets superpowers and loses them, but it doesn't really change anything in any way. Um... But it, it, it is this, just such a strong, like, pro-female, pro-woman. Like, even the the artificial intelligence that is deemed as a villain but turns out to actually have a decent motive is, is a woman. It is the Red Queen. It's not a dude. Yeah. It is the Red Queen, which, yes, going along with the Alice in Wonderland spiel. But it's, it's just so... And also the fact that they made her... A creepy little girl was really smart. Yeah, because like kids are always creepy in these kids movies. Kids are as as somebody who has a career in education. Yeah, it would not be as fun. Like if it yeah. was like Kate Blanchett popping up in a cameo, you'd be like, eh. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, it's Kate Blanchett. Yeah. You're gonna turn green again, like you did in you know the Lord of the Rings and one of the most questionable lighting choices of all time. No, I hope not. But like you would be drawn out of it. Now you get this creepy kid who's like, We're, you're all gonna die down here. And you're like, well makes you feel a certain way (laughs) it'll be fun when it happens but i think having that kid play that villain part adds to this campy factor of this movie like i mean when i first watched it when it wasn't interrupted by you know commercials and i bought it at blockbuster it was used just to 
date myself. That's when it was purchased. Go ahead. For say anyone, something. It's fine. For anyone listening out there who is less than a certain age, Blockbuster is a magical place where you could rent a video, take it home, and then you would have to return it. Yeah, it was like a library, but you paid to do it. I feel like I have to say that because we don't know who's listening. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Probably no one. But for those that are... Um, there was just this ridiculous sort of, like, in hindsight, like, camp level that didn't necessarily add to the horror, but made it this ridiculous, like, fun thrill ride. Like, I mean, okay, so I think you would agree because we talked about this, but the laser corridor sequence is the <laughs> is the single most over-the-top what-the-fuck It's moment. a weird kind of camp. It's it a, is. It's a what the fuck kind of camp. But it's it's just truly so out of place because the rest of the movie is like zombie violence or like they're incorporating monsters from like the Resident Evil game universe. Right. So you get the liquor that shows up and then it evolves, which is some bullshit, but that's what it is. It, the um, liquor? Is that its that actual is name? That is its actual name. <sighs> wow. So we, we really are. Yeah, liquor. <laughs> we haven't even kissed her yet, but it's fine. Um, that was a really bad joke. <laughs> wow, that was a dad joke if I've ever heard one. Well, we know I'm the daddy <laughs> of the you. bunch. It's fine. This princess takes on a daddy title. Who cares? Anyway, um, but it, it's so, like, sci-fi and so far removed from, like, what the rest of the movie's violence is that it just automatically stands out on its own, but it's also the most ridiculously over-the-top. And it does eliminate a female character, but most of it is just designed to get these stereotypical men like cardboard cut out the fuck out of the way <laughs> because by the time this like four minute sequence is over half of the movie's cast is trimmed in half which i just said but still <laughs> yeah now we know we're all drinking here it's fine but like really it, it's you know five or six people enter this corridor by the end of it none of them are left alive that was such an interesting choice too because i i i've seen a lot of movies and horror movies where they have those sequences of like, okay, half the people you think mm-hmm. are going to be main cast are obliterated. But usually that's something that happens at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, like in Nightmare on Elm Street, where like the movie at the start follows, you know, the one particular couple and then they both end up getting ravaged by Freddy Krueger and you realize that Nancy was the one that the movie was about the entire time. Right. But like, you don't realize that until the glorious, she's like being flung up onto the roof of her bedroom scene. Um, I'm not wrong, nope. but no, nope. not at all. Like it, it was shocking just because like you're following along and you're like, okay, you think you have this movie pegged as this is going to be a low budgeted, you know, something. And the first time I watched it, I had no idea. So by the time the one guy gets cut up into cubes, which literally happens, that's not a spoiler. This <laughs> movie's 20 years. Cubes. He literally gets <laughs> lasered into cubes. Like. The first time I watched it, I was just like, this is a beautiful piece of cinema. It, like, You know what that scene reminded me of, actually? Have you ever seen The Cube? Yes. They're, they had that yes. technology yes. in The Cube. they did. And I think The Cube might be older than Resident Evil. Uh, sorry, people, I don't have dates and things memorized. That, that might be a, we have to work on our research as we just came to this epiphany, like, during this right now. recording. <laughs> like, instantaneously. But right I feel now. like the whole, like, laser hallway thing uh, yeah. has been in a lot of movies, so it's not really owned yeah. by anyone. Um, I mean... They just all But it was just, it was such a clever, like, you know, digging down into this, like, Alice goes to Wonderland, but, you know, you... She finds, like, her own identity again after, like, having memory loss, and, like, 
goes through this like growth and I'm not my whole choice of this movie isn't defending its quality as like an actual great movie. My choice is just like in oh, terms of, of just like this queer, like pro, like it's okay to be feminine story because I was never like masked at all growing up. Still I'm not, but like just something that celebrated these like different facets of feminism and like different ways to be like, okay. And, and be strong and feminine. And like, you don't necessarily have to be a girl. Like, it was just really great to watch at that young age when I was, like, figuring out who I was and, like, growing up and, and dealing with my yeah. family and everything. And then not only it being okay to be feminine, but then it's also okay to be strong yeah. and a badass. So, like, by by the time you get to the end of this movie and, like, you know, all the male characters are taken away and you have this, like, really intense, passionate, like, lovey, tense, scene between Ooh. like michelle rodriguez and Miljovic. um smoldering it was smoldering. Smolder. it was it was very it's still so well shot um what was the line when she oh when she's i dying? Could, i could kiss you you bitch oh that was a good i mean one. i was like so could i um i was legitimately sad that she did not make it me too until movie five but that's something different because david hasn't seen it um i have not seen it so now but like the closing like the closing of this movie is is this woman waking up and like discovering this ravaged abandoned world not unlike the finale of the first episode of walking dead as you graciously pointed out um but that was a man and we don't care about men right now i mean we do in (laughs) bed but not like not on this podcast (laughs) fuck it um but like it, it was just such a great shot of this like strong woman who like over the course of the like 93 minutes came into her own and i think that's what's so great about me loving resident evil is because this love of feminism and like this power of strong women is what connects to your favorite which would be if you want to go ahead and and reveal it now oh wow that that's everything you want to say about that is resident that's evil? our you know oh my gosh well so for people listening i'll just tell you we're kind of timing ourselves because when you're talking about your favorite movie we could all go on for hours Hours. like i could literally have a three-hour episode about my favorite movie of all time which is Is okay the craft if you follow our twitter since i run most of the twitter you'll see that i'm often gif reacting with craft memes and things because it's my all-time most favorite movie ever so which the the craft yeah flashback 1996 nev campbell robin tunney rachel true fruza balk um this movie defined me in so many ways not only for the amazing like powerful feminist aspects of it but the witch aspects of it too, you know, growing up in modern witchcraft, especially as a millennial, um, the craft had a big influence on witches of my generation because, you know, like obviously not like totally accurate, you know, we don't have supernatural powers, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's disappointing. Our friends aren't always trying to kill us. That's also disappointing. Clearly you misunderstand me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, well, you're not trying to kill me because you're, like, semi-possessed by supernatural force. That's fair. But um, it was one of the first movies that showcased real, you know, magical invocations and ritual practices. And the craft had 
a um, Wiccan onset supervisor who advised people. And then even more importantly than that, Furzabalk herself, who is one of the very few mainstream real-life celebrity witches who gave her own um, take and advice about the movie. She was uh, very insistent doing it that if she was going to do this movie, it was um, going to have a good kind of feeling ending. It wasn't going to end with the moral of the story is that witchcraft is evil and stay away from it. No, the moral of the story is that um, power corrupts if you take it to a dark place and, you know, all energy is hmm. neutral. That's so not relevant for today. And it just kind of takes you wherever you bring it. So I saw this movie as like a kid in the theaters. Yeah, I was gonna, not to, <laughs> not to turn this into an interview, but like actually realizing that we spent so much of the prep work on this talking about my movie and not yours. How old <laughs> were you when you saw this? Because I was five when this movie came out. So I just want to state that in 1996, I was five years old. Yeah, I would have been like 10, I think. Okay, so there's the age gap between us. (laughs) But we're we're again talking about this is one of those movies that my grandmother, who you all know about if you listen to episode one, who showed me The Exorcist when I was like six years old. Great woman. (laughs) Yeah. Great woman. Took me to see The Craft in the theaters when I was like 10 years old. Um, The the Craft is rated R. Interesting factoid before we really get into this. The only reason that The Craft is rated R actually isn't because it's a particularly scary movie it's because at the uh at the time the motion picture associated association had a rule where any movie that depicted young people involved with witchcraft meant that they had to give it an r rating because christian patriarchy (laughs) yay having an influence in the film industry uh fortunately that rule is not in place anymore um i can't remember when that was overturned don't look at me it's probably thanks to modern witches that got that bullshit repealed so probably um but kudos to you all (laughs) but this movie is, is so cool to me because um i i mean the references to queer culture um, or the queer experience are everywhere, right? So you open to the main character, Sarah, played by Robin Tunney, who, you know, honestly is kind of the flattest character in the movie, but it's fine because her castmates make up for her. I mean, she also kind of had to be. Like, when you think about the role, yeah, like... It was part of her role. She was, she felt kind of dead to the world because she, like... Was dead to the world. She, her her mother died when she was being born. She yeah. felt very isolated. Her family just moved to L.A. from San Francisco. Like, ugh, what a bad mood. Like, the reverse would have been better, in my opinion. But... Well, she... <laughs> you're a little late on giving notes about it. But she was... Just saying. She was plucked out of this world. Also in high school, you know, like, who wants to change schools in high school? And then, by the way, your new, new school is a Catholic school. So you now have to wear a uniform... <laughs> it's a yeah. religious school in the mid 90s um, double yeah <laughs> and she felt very alone and then you know what do we do when we feel alone and we're in high school we just like bond to the first group of people who are nice to us is that how i got into theater i'm just confused probably damn it yeah i mean theater kids goth kids we all kind of had that <laughs> adjacent experience together we definitely did 
But I definitely felt that too in middle school and high school, like not just as a young queer kid, whether I knew it or not, but as a blooming goth kid, you know, my best friend to this day, um, I met her because I had moved to North Carolina in the sixth grade from New York, hated all of it. I was so upset, felt super alone. And I remember sitting in this math class and this girl just like burst into the room like 20 minutes late. The teacher was like, whatever, I'm used to it now. And it was this girl, this long black dress, nails, the black eyeshadow, everything, the crucifix. She sat down next to me and she's like, hi, and like introduced herself to me. No one bothered. No one else bothered. And I'm like, and we're friends now. <laughs> BFF. <laughs> yeah. I have to. I have to say, not to interrupt. I I knew Do none it. of this. Like this is all new information for me. So this friend backstory. This, yeah, I've not. You'll meet her. She's coming to my wedding. Well, so. <laughs> she'll probably be wearing a Nancy Downs dress. That's even better. <laughs> I I just I have to say I love the the fact that it occurred in a math classroom because as a math teacher I'm you know all for the Important magical bondings that occur happen. in a math class. Because <laughs> that's where I met my best friends that helped me with my like whole gay identity creation of becoming, you know, princess royalty. Um, but it was always in a math classroom. But I, I think, and I and I do have to, to, to build off of that. I did see the craft at a younger age. Mm-hmm. I wasn't 10. Um, I think I was... I forgive you. I was maybe... Thank you. Um, I didn't have a grandma that was awesome as you had. Um, I was, like, trapped watching, like, Rosemary's Baby and being, like, feminism, pregnancy, like, such an intimate terror, which is all I drunkenly talked about on the first episode. But, um, I did see it at, like, 13, 14. Um, That's a good age, too. It, it was a it was a very powerful age because I was wrestling with a lot internally um, that I'd never really resolved until about 15 or 16 years old. And going into high school where... Which, was, was, which was transcending into the high school environment and, and finding that... And I, I think I... And I'm not trying to take over your segment. I'm just like, there's, no there's a lot. There's a lot that I, you know, just identified with with it that I think you were talking about. Also, like you were finding these people in high school. I was finding my own sort of preppy pink group. Um, but like when that movie came out and I watched it, you know, years later, um, it just. Really like that whole idea of like finding your crew and like figuring out and navigating it. I yeah. think if you took, like, even if you stripped the basic story like of the witchcraft and like the supernatural and like everything, just like this, like finding your group of friends and like navigating that like power exactly. and turmoil because like each group of of people. So like regardless if it's your family or like your close ones or or whomever. There's always, like, this belief system in something. It, it doesn't have to be, like, supernatural. It doesn't have to be religious. It's just, like, you all unify over a set of beliefs. And so I think, for yeah. me, it was, like, this story of, like, these strong, queer, witch, feminist, female characters. And, like, that idea to, like, be able to learn and, like, develop who you are and, like, learn how to hone that. So, yeah. like, when they're, when they're out and they'd be, power. like, they get their power and they become stronger and then one becomes, you know... Then you get into the conflict of the movie, but I, I just think that was so powerful because it was like a group of same-sex individuals who had the same set of beliefs and didn't fit into a mold. And so I'm like looking around at all of my friends and at the same time. So for me, it was extremely sort of moving. Um, 
which is funny that I'm talking about this now when I claim that my favorite movie was just because, you know, I played the video game. Um, but I'm shallow that way. It's it wasn't funny. just because of that, but... Yeah. But but also, like, that, I, I want to get to what you touched upon with the transformation because that, to me, is something that I super identify with as a queer person because there's this process in the craft where once they once all four of them are together and they realize oh shit mm-hmm. we can do things together like we can control our environment around us and ourselves and our power oh, no. they they start to shift into different people i know so where this is going my favorite movie oh, scene of all time is the actually, bad blonde we're gonna go the bad blonde Oh no, no, that's that that's not that's not the transformation scene I'm thinking. Oh thank of. god. N- not literal transformation. Oh. I'm thinking okay, so a a regular like 90s across all genres movie trope is the slow walk-in scene. Oh, it's yeah. usually a hot girl's walk-in scene. The craft I mean, it was, like was it the 90s? The mean girls did that. it too. Uh, many many years later but well that's yeah okay. i'm just saying you were saying it was like a 90s populated thing and i was like and so they're for. they're doing their magic and then all of a sudden they walk through the cafeteria you that's know true. like everything is out it was a cold day so you could see certain things nips we're those. showing he's trying to be tame <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the we nips are listed as explicit, so i guess i don't have to censor myself yeah really i've cussed so many <laughs> times today the, they were out, Feruza's like throwing her kiss everywhere. It was just gorgeous. And I'm like, yes. Bitch. It was this like that's how I want to live. Sort of life. semi-sexual freedom transformation of it all. Um mm-hmm. or I guess more like a I, I think the brilliant thing about the movie is that the characters are well at least three of the four. Um are so well envisioned and like well bodied that it was just such an encompassing depiction. So, like, it wasn't, most movies tend to be, like, you're watching it and you, like, understand it's like, oh, it's Meryl Streep, or, like, oh, it's Kate Blanchett. Right. It's like, you're watching and you get this. But this was, like, a whole lived-in, like, the characters all had faults and strengths and weak, like, they were... They had a lot of range. They were, yeah. And I think that's what made, like, this particular scene, like, especially now that you're bringing it up, so powerful, is that it, it was a idea that was put through a very specific filter but could be Mm -hmm. identified across an entire broad of like whoever was watching it and viewing it because it was so identifiable of like you embracing your own because it was something that nobody really in high school ever feels like they can do um yeah it's the biggest struggle of growing up in high school or growing up as a teenager in general and i think part of what makes this movie especially on rewatching it because we watched it together a couple weeks ago and I was just like, holy crap, I did not remember just, like, how liberating it was Yeah. to, like, watch the well. track of this movie just because, I mean, A, it definitely ages well, but also just because it embraces that idea of, like, celebrating you and, like, whatever belief you have, regardless of if it's in, like, a witch or, like, community or if it's, like, a smaller idea, it's just celebrate and grow yeah. what you are and, and keep those that mm-hmm. you know and support that in a near very you. in a very intersectional way because yes. they Drunk all these keywords they all had their fucked up issues yep. like nancy had her white trash thing going on her like very poor lifestyle the like domestic abuse and all of that and then like that got ma- major shout out to one of my most favorite actresses of all time rachel true who played rochelle because 
um, it was not subtle at all. There was horrific racism that happened to this character. Yeah. And she fought back against that bitch. But then here's where the emotional range happens. So, you know, Rochelle gets her, I guess, revenge on her racist bully, Laura Lizzie. Yeah. And she, like, feels conflicted about it. Yeah. She, she has, like, some There's remorse. that scene in the mirror where she's looking in the locker room and it's like, Who what? am I? Yeah. What, what, what have I become? What did her? you do? Like, is this a level playing field? I mean, personally, to me, I'm like, uh, the bitch deserved to have her hair fall out, like, She's lucky that that's all that happened to her. Yeah. <laughs> and then she went on to marry Ben Stiller and then get divorced from Ben Stiller. So you're like, choices. You were in Zoolander, but like... Yeah. Sorry, then, Christine Taylor. It did not mean to drag you there, but, but it's fine. I, I love that too, like, especially for um, people of color who are watching that movie because um, Rachel Chu talks about um, in the uh, extra... What do you call it? Extra features yeah. of, of the craft that after that came out, she said that she had um, all of these young black girls coming up to her being like, oh my gosh, I've never seen myself in a horror movie or just in any movie where there was like well depicted a, a powerful and young black woman loved. who had like powers and things. Like n- now we're like seeing that a little more. Thank goodness, like took for fucking ever. But yeah. Um, that in itself, I think, is so such a revolutionary part of I mean, the craft that is not talked Black about. Thank you, Black Panther, for yeah running that. Train. But like, see how long it took us to get to well, Black yeah, Panther. Well, yeah, that's you know <laughs> more than ten years later after the craft, people. Just so you're aware, yeah, of the so, timing. Um, that that was so important to you. But then you know the other part of the range of this is that there's also this element of sure you find your clique or your group in Mm -hmm. high school but then life also isn't all roses after that like there is life after high school you have to find your own power outside of your friends as sarah finds out when one of her friends literally turns into a psychopath because she's corrupted um spoiler alert (laughs) and then her other two friends are kind of sheep who go along with it but other spoiler alert are a little reward oh it was 1996 girl (laughs) We gave a spoiler <laughs> alert for my movie, okay? Which was in saying. 2001, so we're going Shut up. way, way back. Now. I know numbers. It's fine. Uh, in 2026, 20, the craft is going to be 30 years old, and I'm just going to, like, blow away in the wind. Be like, what, 35? <laughs> just 40? How old are you going to be then? Hang on, Ew. let's see. Just kidding. I'm sorry. That was that. rude. <laughs> uh, because I'm mean. No. <laughs> It's fine. I embrace the cold. I bet you do. I mean, okay, so one of the things that I want to segue to, just because I feel like you're going to live for this, is, like, I mean, this might be shallow. Maybe. Lay it on me. Uh, I mean, okay. We all know that I'm... the glitter queen. Um, if nobody listening, I drink rosé all day and then just like wear pink sparkles everywhere I go. So it's fine. You literally own a pink tutu. I, I literally own a pink tutu. I literally own pink glittered converses. So top me. I would love to see you try. Please <laughs> oh. don't anybody in the community That's listening. Right That's there. not going to happen. Anyway. Um, it's, it's just the fabulousness of this movie, like, in general. Like, just the outfits, the, like, the sort of makeup. liberation, yeah. the makeup, like, everything that, that goes... Oh, sh- don't even get me started on the shoes. But, like, just the... 
like the way that the clothing reflects the storyline and the growth of the characters, I think is amazing. The necklines start dropping. The, the necklines start dropping. The boobs start changing sizes, just like Lindsay Lohan's and Mean Girls, but that's a separate <laughs> conversation. Um, but I definitely, I think that's what's so great about this movie is that it embraced the the womanhood. Like it embraced all of this part of it and, and like, you know, as they learn to become liberated in their beliefs and who they are as friends and, and, and everything they stand for, so is their ability to express themselves. So, like, right. you know, growing up and watching it at 13, 14, like, it was just this... Okay, that pause is... Really, that pauses <laughs> our cat walking into the room right now or trying to, or it's a the really filming. malicious spirit <laughs> that is going to get us. Anyways... Um, but really, it was just this brilliant blend, like from the makeup to the jewelry to um, the shoes, especially of just like living the most real, like sexually liberated or just liberated versions of themselves. Um, and honestly, I was listening to all of the deep stuff you were saying, but I really just wanted to talk about the shoes. No, so, that, was, sorry. that was deep as hell. That actually Thanks. covered a lot. I have my moments. Um, they're few and far between. Right. So, <laughs> um, also though, um, besides all of that, so we already talked about how this movie has aged so well, and then I can't end this episode without talking about current news of the mm-hmm. fact that the reboot has actually just finished filming yes. at the time of this recording. And there's, like, the craft has such a huge cult following that a lot of people have a lot of feelings. Yeah, Bloomhouse Pictures, I hope you're listening. Uh, about this. So, but the general feeling I've seen among, like, craft stands is not necessarily like, oh, how dare you, re- you remake it or whatever. It's actually more of a, like, okay, we love this movie a lot. We're we're into the reboot. However, don't you fuck it up because we will burn your studio down. That no, we, we will not do that. <laughs> but we will have some harsh criticism. But I mean, it's playing into a very now sort of mentality. It's got a female director, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, is a rarity still in, you know, 2020 the, to, to have. The um, actress who will be the lead coming on is a Latina trans woman. And I just love that. You know, yeah. like, make it relevant to the modern age. And it's hoping fingers crossed you know Blue we House, literally know like nothing well Blue House has a tendency to, to, to pull off stuff successfully or yes. you know they make fantasy island and you're like why i feel a lot um, less stressed knowing that it's Blue House i, I doing feel this. yeah which means it'll still be a success even if it tanks because they make things for like two dollars um <laughs> which explains a lot of their recent choices but they pulled off halloween so who knows um but yeah i i think right now more than ever like a nice reminder of like embracing your I want to say inner witch, but like also inner bitch, and just like being the un- like the most unapologetic version of yourself is so yes. needed. Um, I mean, we've seen it everywhere lately. We've seen it from recent, you know, debates publicized on TV to like as a public school teacher, I see it every day with my students who are battling within themselves of what they want. But uh, I, yeah, I think we're ready for the craft to come back. Yeah, I think we're 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 ready for some fierce for for, for a new generation. I'm ready yeah. for Gen Z to have their own craft. Like I think that's fabulous. And what you're talking about about you know being able to reclaim power that that is such a cool thing that you pointed out in the pre-show recording yeah. that ties our movies together. Yeah, 
it is, I mean, Resident Evil, which unbeknownst to, like, watching it today, like, three hours ago. Um, like, 45 minutes ago. That's more accurate. <laughs> but, like, I, I still, like, had no idea, like, the, the power of, like, yay woman and, like, yay womanhood and, like... And a woman who's remembering herself and yeah. realizing her power. Uh, yeah. Hello, discovering the power, ladies. discovering what she stood for. I mean, later on when she realizes she's a clone, that's a different thing, but it's fine. Um, spoiler alerts for the whole franchise at that point. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that was a fun way to, like, sort of bridge a very bizarre connection that I never would have, like, suspected to exist between something like Resident Evil and The Craft, um, which I think is why I love both movies. Um and, and but it I, kind I, of explains a lot about us, I yeah, think, our dynamics. Yeah, I, um, I'm definitely that, like, sci-fi video game horror queen bee um, who grew up watching Mila Jovovich, who <laughs> I tagged, like, nine times on Twitter. I tagged her on Instagram posts about us. this whole episode. Like, she's going to hate me, but God, I have <laughs> loved her for... You know, ever since Lilu Dallas multipass, like it's fine. It's fine. I'm um, always totally. Like, I'm like, always the orange tagging. hair, the white rope, like all of it. I'm here for it. I'm um, always tagging Balk and Rachel True. On yeah, Twitter, I so have no. And you know, <laughs> shout out to Nev Campbell, who wasn't in Resident Evil, but was in the Craft and also Scream franchise, which I is another love to monumental. See Nev Campbell in Resident Evil. <laughs> I would love to have seen Nev Campbell in Resident Evil. Um, that would have been the Craft Resident Evil crossover. Yes, the thing that nobody wants, but we Nancy all Nancy is fighting the now zombies are, with are fighting. God, I would watch that. <laughs> it would be um, awful, but amazing. I agree. <laughs> but I think you know. It, it they hold special places in our heart and if there's anything for us to take away it's we both love feminism and the power of women more than anything else i think on the show we're going to be talking about a lot of movies that have strong yes i mean themes. shout out to also at the same time as resident evil there was the underworld franchise with kate uh, beckinsale yes. underrated for sure I, I totally agree but equally as strong with womanhood and you get that leather aspect in there so you know all of you leather kink enthusiast there you go we should totally um, have a leather movie here show. for it here for it well we'll um, add that one but this girl's almost out of her rosé and might need to get a refill soon but that doesn't mean that more is not coming soon yeah and so it's shit's getting real now Shit we're getting, getting real we've done too we've done a theme we're talking about feminism and the rise of women in 2020 and before that so we would love to know what you all think about our choices, whether you praise us, whether you drag us through the streets. Especially if you want to read us to smithereens, please do. Read us. Be honest. Not, not in iTunes, though. Rate us five stars. No, rate us five stars on <laughs> iTunes so we get populated. But everything else, trash us. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you can find us. And then also let us know what you want to hear us yeah. run our mouths about, because we only like kind of have a plan. So Mildly, sort of. <laughs> a mild plan. So let us know, now that you know what our favorite movies are, you know a little bit more about what you're getting into yes. with all of this. And how one of us has good taste and the other one doesn't. Ooh, who is it though? Well, that's for we'll them find to out. decide and for us to keep hmm. hanging. Or are we both low class with no taste? Shh, no spoilers. Ah, that's the spoiler. Well, this princess is going to go refill her wine because, you know, as the wine mom of horror number one and wine mom of horror number one, because I'm not going to number us because that's rude. We need more to drink, but we'll catch you next time. Because remember, you're only here because you're also queer. And you're here.
because you're here for fear. Exactly. So good night. Good luck. Godspeed. Bye. Special thanks to our producer, Phil. Phil Reese is a DJ and podcaster in DC. Visit his website, uh -huh. philipjreese.com, and subscribe to his podcast, Whole Phil, wherever you get your podcasts.